Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the <laughs> you need to know this week, brought to you by our friends at Eggvisor Pro. And you can tell that there's uh, just been activity because uh, the amount of questions coming into Eggvisor Pro app have uh, increased uh, fairly substantially. So what is in the docket, in the hat that you're pulling out for a question this week that we're going to talk about, Kyle? There are a lot of questions, and uh, I thought this one to be pretty current and a need-to-know thing, and uh, not a herbicide-related question. I thought we'd answer a fertility-related question. So this one comes in the fertilizer, soil, nutrients, and uh, specialty category, and it is how much moisture is required after top dressing granular urea to be effective for top dressing winter wheat. So the person's asking how much moisture does it take to incorporate urea effectively without seeing volatilization. So that that's, sounds like what the main yeah. question is, right? Yep. And that's a, that's a fairly standard question. I think you ask 10 agronomists, you're going to probably have eight and a half to nine of us. That's say about the same <laughs> same thing, and if you're gonna peg it an amount uh, to get that urea moved into the soil and held by the soil, you're probably gonna say a half an inch. And I would absolutely agree. I would say all right, a, a half nine inch. And a, nine and a half, nine and a half to ten of us now. <laughs> hey, look, that didn't take 15 minutes to cover, did it? Boom, there we go. <laughs> half inch, good to go. I think nine out of ten of us would have gave the same answer. But there's a lot more to this question, right? Maybe they didn't directly ask it, but this is the you need to know. So we're going to lay a little more into this just to give you the things you need to think about. So it's top dressing winter wheat. You know, uh, you, you got to look at, uh, I'm going to break down a couple things. I think we start with what happens if you don't get enough moisture. And let's say you get a quarter inch of rain and you get half of the required amount. Then... Is that enough to incorporate? What happens then? Do you see volatility as only half of that urea worked in and then in 10 days later, when you get another rain, is the other half incorporated or what's going on there? So, Or if you I, catch three three quarter inch of rain that comes in 10 minutes. Yes. So I, so I think we expand on that. And then also just the timing on any wheat when you're doing it to add to your yield potential versus adding to your quality. So let, let's go back to the rainfall thing. And, and let's, let's handle that uh, part of it where you're talking about what happens if you get three quarters of an inch in a thunderstorm and it happens in 15 minutes. I mean, what's, what's going on there? Well, it's better than getting nothing, right? Well, you're not wrong. <laughs> right. I mean, everybody likes to get that, you know, if you get a nice slow half an inch of rain, even if it comes relatively moderate, that's not too bad, but sometimes a field or where you've got urea sitting on the ground, it comes so fast that it's you got water pooling on the surface and you've, you've floated granular pellets or they accumulate. Um, I don't like that that fast because then all of a sudden you've got free moisture that sits on the surface and that pellet, you've got more of a chance to start losing that through volatility because that pellet's going to just start breaking down. And so... Yeah, you would, you'd probably prefer to get some rain versus not, but it really depends on how it comes, I think, too. Right. Because I've had, I've had some on the, on the opposite end that isn't enough total, but it's the most beautiful, soft, awesome rain that you could probably ask for. So I want to go back to that heavy rain scenario. So just like you were saying, 
you get a heavy rain, just look at how uh, if you were to dissolve urea into water and, and just take granular urea and go take a handful of it and go put it into a glass of water. See how long that takes to dissolve fully into water. And then I think you'll understand what we're trying to say there is that it takes a little time to dissolve. So it's best to have a nice long rain. Now, of course, you get what you get as far as the weather goes. But it's just something to be aware of because you get a pounding rain and that might redistribute the urea prills that you have. Some. It just depends, you know, how your field lays out, elevation, topography, how it slopes, all that. But, um, yeah, like you are saying, a general rain is great. If you can get at least a half inch or more, then you're absolutely where you need to be. But, yeah, to that to that lighter amount, so you get a quarter inch and you just don't get quite enough to incorporate that urea. And let's say it it goes a strong 10 plus days before you get another rain event. And heat and humidity are really cranking up. The, the biggest fear is that because you will start to lose some of that urea to volatility. Now, it's hard to really peg how much urea you're going to lose to volatility because there's so many variables, so many factors that go into that. You know, one is how much moisture was already in that soil. Then if there's a quarter inch of rain that fell, what's the pH in that area of the field? Because the pH makes a difference on how fast urease works. The higher, How much residue yeah, you how, have on that field? Yeah, how much residue? Yeah. So so there's a lot of variabilities that, that go into play. And do you get some of your nitrogen in? Yes. Do you get all of it in? Probably not. So that's that comes back to this whole uh, why you hear so many people talk about volatility inhibitors. And to use that, because even if it rains, if it doesn't rain enough, you can actually speed up the process of urease breaking down urea, which will convert it into a form of nitrogen. Uh, well, essentially, the, the whole process, because urea isn't the actual form of nitrogen that the plant takes up. Urea is a stable form that's in a prill that can be stored. But in order to make that plant available, it has to be converted. Well, that's a natural process. And... It's an enzyme that's naturally all over the place in all soils. It's called urease. And so urease is natively in all soils. It's basically the thing that helps decompose a lot of stuff or start that process. And so you add a urea prill to the soil. You get urea, that urea prill. There's urease naturally in the soil and you get a little bit of moisture. And then that whole reaction starts to happen. And what will happen is that urease splits apart that urea. And what happens is it turns into carbon dioxide and ammonia. So it actually ammonia. turns into a gas. So what happens if you put ammonia on the soil surface? Well, if you're on the downwind side of that, uh, well, you're not going to be applying ammonia for very long. No. And, and so common sense, anyone that uses ammonia knows that you have to inject that into the soil. So that's why moisture is so important to get that incorporated. It'll wash that urea deeper into the soil. And then when that conversion happens, that ammonia is actually going to get trapped in the ground as it's going up. And what will happen is it's going to grab any free moisture. And it, all it's doing is grabbing hydrogen off of a water. So it's grabbing a hydrogen off of an H2O. It completes it. It makes it ammonium. That's soil stable. That locks to the ground. And then it's there. But you need that moisture to incorporate it at least that deep to actually get it to stay. So that's why we're talking, hey, what happens if you get inconsistent amounts of moisture? You use a urease inhibitor. So NBPT is really yep. the, the golden standard 
when it comes to that is you use a product that has NBPT and that will actually inhibit that urease molecule from actually being able to lock into the urea and split it up into carbon dioxide gas and NH3 gas. But but it's all about that that inconsistent amount of moisture thing. I mean, that's that's the big deal, right? Well, you can see, you know, urea pellets on the ground and you get a, a dew in the morning and that pellet will start to dissolve. And people will ask if that's enough to to have worked that in. No. No, it's not. It's not. It's just starting the process of breaking down that prill. So now you're subject to loss. So that, that water, if you think about ammonia, that's why you got water tanks around ammonia bullets. That's why you want things to close up because ammonia grabs onto moisture. You need that to happen in order for you to trap your nitrogen in a form in the soil. So again, you know, we have different intensities and amounts. Uh, if you get the perfect is probably that nice, slow, beautiful half inch of rain. Uh, I felt good even down to probably 35, 40 hundredths if it's the if it's a great, like the perfect rain. The rain where you just go to town and the whole day you're in town getting parts, running errands, going to the bank, seeing your, your relatives are doing whatever. It just rains the whole day versus a higher amount uh, where it comes really fast. Or even maybe the worst case scenario is like we had last year, 500s, 600s. Oh, yeah. It's like death by a thousand cuts to just get tiny, tiny amounts yep. of rain. Yeah. And and if you got urea that goes on wet ground, that's, that's boom, you got, you got moisture. It's going to start that process. So now you need, you so, need rain, which our conditions are, everything's wet now. Heck, right. it's, it was snowing here not too long ago. It wasn't sticking, <laughs> but it was, <laughs> don't ask us about how much snow it takes to cover. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, okay, so. Urea volatilizes. You need a half inch of moisture to actually incorporate it. And that's in one shot to incorporate it. And there are a lot of things that are going to happen if you don't get enough moisture to incorporate it in one shot. And and so volatility of urea is going to be affected by multiple things. It's going to be the temperature, the ambient air temperature, the soil temperature, soil moisture, how much moisture you got, the amount of residue, which will affect the amount of soil moisture, the pH of the soil, the higher the pH, generally, the faster the urease can break down uh, urea. And so there's there's a lot of factors that go in there. But again, that's why we're really stressing. I don't care the brand. I don't care the product necessarily. But just pay attention to the active ingredient. Ask for a product that has NBPT in it. That has been proven for a long, long time that that is inhibiting urease from converting urea. And that buys you the time to get that incorporated. And, and it's not like an on-off thing. It's a, it slows it down. There's always some converting. There's some going to the ground. So it's not like it's keeping all the nitrogen that you have from not being available to the plant. It's a gradual release it thing. So, mm-hmm. so if there's something we can't stress enough, it doesn't matter if it rains. You know, if you see rain in the forecast, do you know you're going to get enough? I mean, sometimes you're going to get a forecast that you're going to get hammered and, and you know, okay, well, sure. But if you can predict that with a lot of confidence, I don't know if you need to be farming. You could be selling a hell of a weather almanac so people know exactly when to do things. So so I'm just saying the weather's unpredictable. Protect your nitrogen investment, especially for what it costs right now. Yeah, and it's uh, if you don't use it uh, as, as a protectant, the NBPT on urea, and you've got weather like this year, you have had a pretty good chance of it getting rained in and you don't have to worry about it. 
where last year when it was very dry, we had some days where we had a three day stretch. We're going to, it was going to rain and it never did. And we went a long time. So it's every year is different. Every scenario is different. Just know where uh, it, it pays to do it. Know that the type of rain that you're looking for an amount. And then part of that is too, is uh, if you're going to be doing it in a top dress scenario, there's, you're kind of a little restricted too, because you're going to want to get that on. I've had a lot of questions this year about doing this with barley. Most people front load everything. And this year people are just seeding wheat, barley. Uh, hey, can I put urea over the top of those crops? Yes, you can. Now you are going to have to make sure that you probably start getting things on by three, four leaf because you are going to have a tremendous amount of demand that's going to occur by the time you hit that fifth leaf. And there's some things that are going to be determined. So that plays into it as well. Probably, I mean, I'm I'm not afraid to go out on one, two leaf stuff. If I know I got a rain front that's coming in, it's going to give me exactly what I need. Well, okay. So that's, that's a good point to bring up and that'll kind of round us out to the end of this. And so we'll kind of make this uh, short and sweet, so to speak. But we talked the other part. So I hope that we've beaten that to death on how much moisture and then the other things to consider, what it takes to incorporate urea. But it's timing that on winter wheat. So the the general saying is before wheat joints, right? That's that's when you have to top dress. And that's if and the reason that's being said is that's adding to your yield potential. So the amount of spikes in length, the amount of spike or spikelets, I guess would be your length, the amount of spikes per spike spikelet are being determined before those joints are out of the ground. So that head could actually be manipulated. If you added more nitrogen, maybe that plant's getting signal that it has more yield potential. It has more yield potential, then it could set up for higher yields, right? And so the idea is you put it in before the fifth leaf. Because after the fifth leaf, and once you get into the sixth and beyond, the, the nodes actually become visible above ground, and mm-hmm. the, your head of wheat is actually becoming aerial now. As in, it's not under the soil anymore. It's actually going going above the soil. And yeah, if you fertilize after it's jointing, you're really preserving your yield potential. You fertilize before jointing, it can add to your yield potential. I always like to say that if you are putting nitrogen on in a post-applied scenario, the earlier that you can get it on, most of that nitrogen probably goes toward yield potential. The later it goes on, it probably ends up going more toward some quality issue, like like protein content. There's a blend. There's a you kind of that's why you hear people that top dress later in the season by plain or or however they they do it. They're they're extremely happy with the protein content. So that's and that might and that way. might be more uniquely a U.S. thing. I don't know if I've heard many Canadians talk about improving the protein content of their wheat and to a winter wheat thing. Usually winter wheat's not the one that you're improving no. protein content no. on, uh, but spring wheat typically is. And so that's those of us in North Dakota. Well, we're in the heart of the U S spring wheat market and we, we see a lot of fluctuation in pricing discounts and premiums because of protein. And so this is what we're always gearing up towards. So we know that the later and later and later you apply your nitrogen, the more you're adding to the quality versus adding to the yield potential. And I, and I think that's why the comment came in on with barley, because I think when you hear top dressing, that if you do that, your protein has a potential of going up. They don't want to see that. 
it depends on when you're doing it. If it's earlier in the crop growth stage, you're not, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that. So, but, but people just, you know, this spring is kind of crazy and wild. Yeah. A lot of things going on, but for the sake of time, I, I think, uh, we probably more than covered what you asked on here, but to summarize it, half inch of moisture, that's what you need to incorporate urea, but do not forget urease inhibitors and BPT. That's an important deal because there's a lot of variability. You can't predict if you're going to get a half inch all the time. That is unless you're irrigating. And then remember that applying nitrogen before the fifth leaf is adding to yield. After the fifth leaf is adding to quality. And that is the you need to know this week. So we'll see you guys. Some good